Well, no doubt you've been wondering how we're going to transition to delivering wisdom to our patients. I know Steve from New South Wales did. I had a great chat with him on Twitter this week. And that's why we focused this episode on our chat with Mike DeGama from Nostra Data and talking about how data can get us there and how so many answers and also hidden gems of wisdom are hidden in our data sources. And we talk about how we can leverage that to create better patient-centric businesses. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic of journey of ours, which is now one year old. I should be throwing out the streamers, I should be party popping, but we've got a huge episode to get on with, but I might indulge in a little reflection over our past year together just in a moment. We'll check in with you, how's your week been? And I'll tell you a bit about what's been happening with me this week. And then we'll head over to a great chat with Mike DeGama that I know you'll love, the director of Nostra Data. But you might be wondering, why did I choose Mike to come on the show? Well, I think the intro has probably given it away, but certainly I had a great chat with Steve from New South Wales on Twitter for even at just a couple of hours, and obviously we weren't on there all the time, but it was really good to obviously be challenged on how we're going to deliver wisdom and what tools we're going to need to get there. And that was one of the reasons why I gave Mike a call and invited him on the show, because I couldn't think of a better expert of showing us how to analyze our data and put it into a format that makes it really actionable for us. So that's what we're really going to focus on as we move our pharmacy business model towards a patient-centric one that is based on delivering wisdom and just not transactions. So we're going to also be talking about some of the interviews we're going to have coming up. I've had a big week of uh, hunting down a number of guests that have been on my list for a long time. And I've got Brian Walker coming up, who is, for a lot of you may already know, is the retail doctor. And I really wanted to get him on the show, particularly now, because we wanted to talk about, again, around how we're going to create these wisdom centers. And we go through how to map out and plan the customer journey, which will help you create create full and remarkable solutions which result in high levels of customer satisfaction, but so much more importantly, better patient outcomes. So it's going to be terrific. I know you're going to enjoy it and you won't have to wait long. That'll be coming your way next week. So how was your week? We're just about done for February and uh, we're just about to head into March, which is where the pace is going to pick up. And I hope that a lot of you are heading to APP. I know that uh, we're going to be able to meet our new health minister, uh, which is really good to obviously find out how the CPA negotiations are going and uh, you know what we can expect for the remainder of the year. So you might have already booked your flights, accommodations booked as well. But I also recommend if you haven't already come across, and I'll put this again in the show notes, just review your five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday. Now, by no means am I saying you're going to APP for a holiday, or maybe some of you are. I know some colleagues uh, did spend some time heading across to some amusement parks during APP, but that's a story for another day. And uh, gee, I probably wish I'd joined them, actually. It was uh, very enticing uh, having the hot weather. Nonetheless, I digress, but we need to obviously pre-plan a lot of our activities as well, which was really about you know delegating responsibility, but also the communication that we can expect to receive as well. Because the last thing we want, particularly if we're heading up on a Thursday, and I hope everyone's going to be there from the beginning, because there's some great keynote speakers right at the beginning. I know that uh, George has brought across uh, the president of the Portuguese equivalent of the Pharmacy Guild, and it's such a great story that I had the pleasure of talking to him about in episode 13 and I can't wait to hear the end and the other side of the story as well. So I hope you're going there but what that means is that Thursday and Friday you may normally have been in your business and you may be getting phone calls and people in your business are usually able to call you but you need to be able to 
set some guidelines about how you want to be contacted and there's some great tips and tricks and particularly some how-to videos that uh, are within the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday that um, you might be able to benefit from and certainly it's a way to get all of that out of the way before you've headed into APP of a day and uh, being able to stress less and enjoy the conference which is obviously a great thing. You may also want to revisit episode two. And of course, all of these links are available on the special APP page of robertstar.com forward slash APP 2015. And hopefully that can help you have a better conference and a better experience up there. Always try to do my bit. And don't forget our meetup um, at five o'clock on the Thursday. Venue not locked down yet, but I'd love to be able to have a beer with as many of you as I can. And uh, also if you're arriving later and you're not going to be there the Thursday, uh, book in for a free chinwag on the same website as well. And uh, we'll head across, grab a coffee and uh, just shoot the breeze about pharmacy and uh, what what the year lies ahead. So it'd be terrific. But I did say I was going to indulge myself uh, on reflecting on this year, which I will do in a little moment, but I wanted to share with you my week. Uh, Last Friday, as many of you would have known, we had our Google Apps Webinar Masterclass with Adrian Cosman-Jones, and it was absolutely fantastic to have so many motivated pharmacy owners very keen to learn, particularly how to create your digital quality care manual. And um, you know, I had so many messages during the week, thanks to the great feedback that I got, um, of people wanting to jump on a recording and whether I was doing it. So I've done it. If you get across to robertstar.com forward slash Google Apps Webinar, It'll be available for a limited time only. I can't leave it all available unrestricted because the masterclasses are going to be a feature of what's coming very, very soon for all of you to be able to join, and that's the transformation community. But I'll talk about that a little bit bit later on. And when I say the community, it's not the one that unfortunately isn't functioning extremely well when you log in and sign up for your workbook, but it's one where you're going to have a lot of premium resources. But again, I won't give the game away on that one. We'll talk about it in the moment. I had the pleasure of working with some brilliant pharmacy owners via Skype this week from all corners of the country, from Victoria, New South Wales, WA, and even Thursday Island. So g'day Mick and uh, hey to all of the uh, Thursday Island pharmacy crew, which proves that technology allows us to overcome all geographical boundaries and restrictions. And I didn't have to jump on one plane to have those great conversations at a time of all of their choosing. And um, certainly it's something that uh, they got a lot of value out of them. And uh, I'd love to be able to do that more um, if that's something that you'd like. And if you would like to have a chat or even just a short chinwag, just head across to robertstar.com forward slash appointments and we'll make it happen. So as I mentioned, I had a huge week of interviews. We've got the retail doctor, Brian Walker, coming your way next week. And also some other great guests that are going to leverage some great opportunities that maybe weren't even aware of. Did you know that you were able to extract you know, lost income and lost expenses in your business through your payroll and how there are some great opportunities there that if we just look at a few little angles and some of the uh, metrics that we wouldn't normally look at in payroll, we could actually save a fair bit of money and get ourselves out of the potential hot water of a Fair Work Australia audit. Absolutely brilliant. But we've got so many more to come. It's going to be a great start to our second year and I look forward to bringing it to you. So just a short reflection, I'm not going to dwell too much because at the same time, I know that this show is about delivering these great educational and hopefully in some cases entertaining conversations for you, which any pharmacy owner could be having with any of the guests that I have on this show. And I just want to bring that to you each week. I know we've all got less time and we do have the ability through a podcast to be able to just simply put that into our earbuds while we're driving, while we're walking the dog or in the gym and so forth, which is something that we don't often get to do. And a lot of our mediums don't allow that. So hopefully it's all been really valuable from you. I'd love to know whether you got a lot of benefit from the year. I've certainly seen what have been the most popular topics and our year rounded out with Greg Kadoran's 
episode 12, which was about his experience of buying his first robot, but preparing for his second, and certainly such a great topical issue. So Greg gets the uh, number one badge for the year as being the most popular episode, closely followed by my own episode number one, which of course most of you would know was the first episode of the Transformation book. We covered off some great mini transformations all the way through e-faxing, password management, email marketing, Google Apps, Office 365, a whole range of great productivity tools. And it was great to find out from these owners that I caught up with this week that they're working so well with some of these free productivity tools and it's made such a big difference in their business. We've had apps of the week, so things that have been really new that we've been able to benefit from, even one that allows me to sound like a robot and you get to listen to the podcast in half the time, which is a great thing. Launch the transformation book. And of course, you can head across to pharmacyfreedom.com. The link will be in the show notes if you want to catch up with all the video action. I've made it all unrestricted now. You can watch the whole thing, including the bonus Q&A session that we had afterwards where I got hit with some really high-powered questions. A lot of questions from left field and I really had to think on my feet. But uh, it was a great experience and it was great to be able to reward the pharmacies that have listened and sat online for an hour and a half during the launch, particularly from overseas countries like and cities from New York, Boston. We also had some from Paris. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic to be able to reward them for staying online for so long. Also had a great presentation at Pharmacy Business Network in uh, 2014 on team communication and and that was you know received really well had a great follow-up webinar afterwards and also the launch of the pharmacy freedom index which was the center point a lot of my discussions this week with pharmacy owners and the great opportunities and insights they're able to get from it and of course we've had some segments on this show dedicated to sharing some of those insights and that will certainly continue we had an industry leader insight series where we had Coz, we had George Tambassus, we had Paul Naismith, and we got to hear some of the best ideas and some of the best strategies that are coming into pharmacy over the next six to 12 months. We've also did automation. We did every single vendor, every single owner who owned one of those products. So you got a really rounded view as to what was available and what you can do, particularly if you're considering automation for your pharmacy. So what's to come? You might think, well, that's all a lot. And that's certainly the feeling that I felt as well. It was, it was such a big year, um, but it's one that I've absolutely enjoyed and the momentum just hasn't stopped. And uh, I'm really looking forward to bringing you some great things in 2015 over 16 in our second year. So what's to come? We're going to have the best of the transformation show coming up, which will be a special extra edition, which will probably come out on the Tuesday of the week of APP. And we'll go through the best insights in the nine key areas. So across finance, operations, people, patients, innovation, partners, IT systems, mobility, and automation. And that'll be covered off in about a 50 to 55 minute show, which will give you the best insights from all of our episodes as judged by you, by how much you listen to them. So, and also some great feedback about that format that I, I must say, I do owe uh, a great debt of thanks um, to a pharmacist who did want to remain nameless, so I won't embarrass them, um, who suggested that format as one that they would really benefit from. So thank you for suggesting that. We're going to have a big announcement at the special edition show, but I'm not going to give too much away. And of course, I'm going to name the community as the tribe. And uh, if you've got a better name for the transformation community, please let me know. I'd love that to know that, but that seemed to be the one that sort of resonated with a number of listeners that I spoke to in the last couple of weeks. And what you'll be able to do in that is you'll be able to get continuing education credits for listening to the show, which is great. Uh, and certainly um, you'll be able to do that very easily. There'll be monthly masterclasses. So more of the ones that like the one we had on Friday with Google Apps. And all of these things will be available in a video and training library for you to, 
access anywhere, anytime from any device that you like. We'll have a forum where all of us motivated pharmacy owners can hang out and have a chat with each other. And of course, we're going to invite motivated pharmacists as well who may have aspirations of owning pharmacies, but also play such a critical role in helping their pharmacies embrace technology and really are really motivated about where we're going as a profession. I think that's really the type of person we want to have in the community. And we just want to inject more positive energy into what we're doing at the moment. There's going to be exclusive technology deals and even some discounted event tickets coming up. And of course, we'll have more tribe meetups. We're going to have our first one at APP. And uh, it's something that I'm really looking forward to having a beer with as many of you as I can. I know a few of you had already registered, so I really look forward to that as well. But what I'm going to do is because I am loving the fact that we got to one year unscathed and really gaining momentum. I'm going to put out for any listeners that have joined the show, even if it's your first episode or you've listened to every one of the 52, is I'm going to put out a special limited edition anniversary bundle. And what we'll do is we'll make that available for the next two weeks or until supplies are exhausted. And what that is, we're going to have a hundred of them because uh, I just absolutely love the feedback that I've got from you all. I want to reward you and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the show this year. So what you'll get if you sign up for the bundle, it'll be linked in the show notes, which will be the transformation book. And you just have to pay the shipping on that of about $8. So it's really not much at all. But all you, what you're going to get with everything is you'll get a keep cup or a water bottle, which is a limited edition that came with the transformation launch. I've only got a handful left of each. But again, limited supply. And we've got uh, a transformation bag uh, that we've got as well. And again, probably limited to about 100 for those as well. Plus, you're going to get a six-month free membership to the transformation community, which is worth over $300. It'll be about $49, $50 a month when it comes out. But if you jump onto this anniversary bundle, you'll get it all for free from the beginning. I'm going to have the audio book available towards the end of April, so stay tuned for that. And we're going to also be able to give you some great presentations and bundles of training videos that you haven't seen yet, as well as obviously access to some keynote presentations that I've done as well. So head across to robertstar.com forward slash episode 52, and you'll be able to grab that. I've also included a link in there as well if you wanted to head back and listen to the book launch and Pharmacy Freedom, and you'll be able to do that. But without further ado, we're off to Mike for our interview. Our interview today is with Mike DeGama. He's one of the founders of Nostra Data and also one of their directors as well. And they want to be known as Australia's leading healthcare retail analytics company. Mike DeGama, welcome to The Transformation Show. Thanks, Rob. How are you? Oh, fantastic, Mike. Uh, being in Melbourne, as, as I know you are as well, we've had all four seasons very recently, and today is no exception. <laughs> Tell me about it. The sun's shining right now, so it's good. <laughs> very, very good. And, Mike, a lot of our audience love to know, um, and when our guests come on the shows, um, how, how did you start? And I know that Nostradata is only a fairly young company in itself, but why did you start it? And uh, I guess what, were the, what was the biggest problems you're trying to solve? Well, we started it uh, really a lot earlier than 2010, which is what our official start date was. Uh, my business partner, Jim, and I had met actually while we were working together on the Heron brand uh, when it was owned by Sigma. At the time, we realized that the FMCG market, as in fast-moving consumer goods for supermarkets, were getting access to information that pharmacy really wasn't. And there was two reasons for that. First of all, there was a lot more resources and understanding of fast-moving data in the retail space than there was in pharmacy. Uh, but also the ownership structure was different. As you know, pharmacies are independently owned, which meant that everyone had to do their own thing. So there was no economies of scale. Whereas in grocery, they have plenty of economies of scale. So they're able to access much better information than our retail pharmacies were. Our history is in pharmacy and in uh, obviously the manufacturing side of the businesses. Uh, so there's a bit of history there uh, from, you know, GlaxoSmithKline, Eli Lilly, Sigma and Arrow Pharmaceuticals. So we've got a bit of a history there. 
Anyway, we realised that we weren't getting the data we needed uh, to help pharmacies better perform on our product ranges. So we came up with a business concept in 2007. We finally launched the business in 2010 and the, the business is really centred around trying to get suppliers and pharmacies to work more closely together uh, and that means understanding the right product in the right place at the right time uh, for the right patient. So ultimately we were really focused on getting that off the ground in 2010. The problem we're trying to solve, is, as I've said there, is, is just giving pharmacies better access to information so that they can help themselves and help their customers uh, to obviously get the solutions that they need from a health perspective but also to make pharmacy more sustainable uh, in the long run because we could see that changes were afoot. Mm, no, absolutely fascinating and you know I often refer to the the data that we've got in our pharmacies as probably our biggest asset um, but uh, probably the biggest challenges I've seen in, in, in my 15 years in the profession is that we've got so many silos of it and so many disparate systems that don't talk to each other so I, I guess how have you approached how you know attacking that data and I guess making some sense out of it? What you've just described there is big data because ultimately data comes in a lot of forms and you have the structured data out of your point of sale and your dispensary system, but you also have unstructured data like the social media that you access, emails, uh, you know, hard copy paper versions of things. It's all information and the challenge is to try and bring it all together. Nostradata has really only successfully brought together point of sale and dispensary over the last five years, but our aspiration is to bring all of that information together and not only bring it together but to make sense of it so that a pharmacist is not spending their time combing through countless reports or countless pieces of information, but is actually given a really clear view of how their pharmacy is performing and could perform if they just made a few tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, and certainly, you know, one of the other forms of data that we spoke about on the transformation show last year uh, was around our loyalty and also our marketing as we start to do more digital email marketing and so forth, and uh, trying to obviously make a whole lot of sense in terms of you know our customer touch points and when they're interacting with us, when's their preferred time of day, when are they visiting, and try to pair that all back because you know often you know a lot of business owners often remark that pharmacy's got such a strategic advantage because there's a compelling reason for patients to come back every week and every fortnight and every month. Um, So if we can make sense of a lot of that, I think we've got a great opportunity to personalise a lot of what we offer to our patients. I'd agree, and I think that's the challenge at the moment. If you're so busy just running the business or you're so busy, you know, managing people within your business... You don't often have the time that you would like to spend with patients or with customers to ensure that they're getting the best possible service. And I think that service mentality is starting to take shape and it's getting a lot more airtime now. And ultimately that means you don't want to be spending your time analysing data. You want to be spending your time leveraging that information in your pharmacy. So as you've described there, you know, the, the future of, of information is really what you do with it, not the fact that you're collecting it. And loyalty is another great example of that. And marketing efforts, are you getting your return on investment? Uh, how do you measure all of those things? Is something that you know we're particularly good at. And uh, if we got the economies of scale, can deliver fairly superior services across the pharmacy network. Yeah, yeah. And more recently, when we caught up with Morris Mizalowski, uh, business futurist extraordinaire, a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about the wisdom economy and, um, you know, how pharmacists are going to be placed in communities more so to try to take the data that's obviously so ever present and also the knowledge that's so more more available through Google and so forth now and allow our customers to make sense of it all because that's really one of the biggest challenges that people are seeing not only now with the rise of wearable technology and so forth um, but also into the future when there's more health connected data um, data touch points and the internet of things grow to I believe Morris may have mentioned about 9 billion uh, devices by about 2020. So there's going to be a lot of data around, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. And I think that the, the thing about the wisdom economy, as, as he's described it, uh, I think that sounds very big and, and, and obviously very futuristic, but it's not. It's right here, right now, in terms of we're developing and accruing this wisdom 
right in the space right now and the pharmacist's role uh, needs to change to recognize that uh, so that it's less about dispensing medicine and more about understanding the patient's personal needs because personal care is going to become more and more important uh, especially in Australia, we're, you know, we've, we're in a blessed economy. We can, we're, we're all in a very fortunate position, and we have a Medicare system to support us. And I think that you know the expectation of patients today when they walk into pharmacy is a lot higher than it might have been even a decade ago. So you know, we've got to be able to leverage that wisdom that pharmacists hold in their heads to be able to look after patients uh, better and on a, more consistently. You know, so that you understand that patient when they walk in the door. Uh, almost as as well as they understand themselves from a health perspective. Mm. And certainly it's also about collaborating with all the other partners involved, being it other healthcare partners and suppliers, as you mentioned earlier, uh, because, you know, the cookie cutter approach of having the same stock in every pharmacy, 160 stores across the nation, just doesn't work anymore. And, you know, we often in the last few weeks have spoken about going back to the future in that the older pharmacies before banner groups and brands and manufacturers were around, they had to compound everything, but they had to listen very closely to their community, but the ear of the community is really going to come from data, I believe. That's right. And I think that's the other thing that you've mentioned there. When we had just the the compounding businesses and you had the time, I suppose, to be able to do that, uh, it was a a different time. And now with uh, people in such a hurry to get from A to B uh, and I guess still expecting that same level of personalised service, Ultimately, information and data is going to help you solve that very, very well. We've seen real-life examples of, you know, gold card-carrying retail customers walking into stores in the U.S. and being recognised by the staff, even if those staff are new, uh, and being able to say, "Look, I've got a, a very basic background of this person, nothing too intrusive, but I do understand their needs." And I'm able to address their needs very, very quickly so that if they're in a hurry, I can service their need. If they're not and they want more consultative approaches, then I can also do that. And I think that's where we need to head here as well is to be able to recognize all our, our patients for their individual needs and being able to individualize care, but for, I guess, a, a mass market. Yeah, 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 and I'm glad you mentioned the US as well because I follow them very closely and I think it was only CVS recently just announced a huge multi-million or even billion dollar facility that they were developing purely for the digital aspect of their brand and also for the data aspect of their brand. So they take it very, very seriously and uh, particularly the CVS uh care card that they have and the Walgreens um, wellness um, programs that they're rolling out at the moment, Um, you know, certainly there's multitudes of data that's being transformed into actions in the store via iBeacons and so forth to be able to, you know, deliver a previously unrecognisable experience. That's right. And there's another source of information. You just mentioned eye beacons and, and so on. And so for some people who've never heard of those mm. things, it's like Bluetooth technology or Wi-Fi technology that, or RFID, which detects the, you know, the presence of people in the, in the shop and also who they are uh, and promotes to them specific services or products that are relevant to their needs if, if they're open to that. I think uh, you know we're going to see that very slow change in acceptance of that type of technology here in Australia. But there are obviously steps before that uh, that we take the you know patients on a journey and understand from a point of trust that uh, we can actually bridge that gap between technology and personal care. Yeah, no, look, I, I think so. And, you know, it took a long while for uh, customers in general and people in general to trust banking institutions with their financial information and to promote that back to them and display it back to them via mobile apps. And, uh, you know, I think that was a big chasm to cross uh, because now that that's been crossed, I think healthcare probably has a much easier role of convincing people that uh, the technology can be beneficial. Yeah, and I think that just comes down to evidence, doesn't it? If you can demonstrate to people that the sensors that they're wearing can actually contribute to their health in general, such as the Fitbit or other types of wearable technology, and they're, they're sharing that information with their local pharmacy, then the local pharmacy can actually detect early on where there might be a change in that person's health 
uh, and address it proactively rather than waiting until the symptoms become apparent. So, you know, preventative care is the other area that I see, you know, growing in importance from a pharmacy perspective where we're actually saying to people, look, you've got all the markers of, you know, pre-diabetes. I think that there's things we can do right now to reduce your risk of, of the, a disease event or, or any type of ongoing chronic care uh, if we take action now. And so, you know, earning that, that uh, I guess, that level of trust is something that pharmacy already has a high degree of, um, which, you know, perhaps is taken for granted occasionally. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I guess it all just comes down to, you know, how that data is received in pharmacy and also then be able to be, you know, and analysed, um, hopefully through decision support mechanisms like what you're talking about. But I think one of the most... Um, commonly asked questions that I come across particularly with data in pharmacy is that most pharmacy owners are already aware that they've got extraction tools on their on their premises that uh, collect their own data and uh, at the moment they're struggling trying to work out when people bring data to them like wearable and so forth what to do with it but that might be something we talk about a little bit later but that data that comes out through the extraction tools um, where does the data generally go and um, I guess how can pharmacy owners be confident that it's being used correctly? Well, I can only speak for our business because I know that there are a lot of extraction tools out there, but I can't say whether or not they, you know, they're observing the, the correct, I guess, ethics and, and legal requirements that they're bound by. So I think that's definitely worth checking. <clears throat> Excuse me. From our perspective, what we've ensured we did right from the start, and as I mentioned earlier, we've both come from backgrounds of, of pharmaceutical companies, and so we've been, it's been drummed into us the importance of privacy, the importance of ethics, and the importance of observation of people's rights. At the end of the day, our systems were always designed from, from the start to keep the data secure and local on Australian shores. Uh, there's not a, an explicit requirement for us to do so because it's all masked and, and hidden and encrypted. Uh, however, we were aware that the government was already sensitive about health information and wanted to ensure that we weren't inviting any kind of, I guess, conflict of interest or any kind of controversy around where we hosted our information. So therefore, we sought a data centre in Sydney, actually, uh, to host our information. Uh, and it's in a secure place that's always supported by engineers 24-7 around the clock. So from that perspective, we had to ensure first and foremost that the data that we received was protected. The second thing was around where does it go and, and how's it used and is it being used correctly. Uh, we ask our pharmacists to consent to share their information with their suppliers. So they have to actually consent individually to each supplier before that supplier is allowed to access it. In addition to that, the supplier is only allowed to access their own information or information that's relevant to them being able to service that business properly. Some good examples of that are with the generic companies we work with, such as Aspen and Activist and, and so on. Those companies uh, are only really allowed to see the information that's relevant to their business. So they will go into a pharmacy and, and assist them with their generic conversion uh, and other programs that they've now got. Uh, and they need to access their own information, potentially product com competitors' information to, to measure generic loyalty and generic substitution. They need to access their, their competitors' information too. Uh, but as a result, they're able to serve better their pharmacists around education, around the products that they might be missing or still have some opportunity around. So from that perspective, the information that, that pharmacists share with us is used in that, in that way first and foremost. <clears throat> Secondarily, we actually aggregate all our information and de-identify it, and that information is helpful for geodemographic analysis. So what we do with geodemographic analysis is we're able to help those product companies uh, identify areas of growth where they can go to a pharmacy and actually proactively ask that pharmacy to start supporting a different program, different service, associated with a product. And a good example of that might be in the diabetes market. It's, a, it's an area of quite a lot of change recently, as you're probably aware. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the, the companies that support those products 
want to be able to educate the doctors and the pharmacies in that area in a much more focused manner than they may have previously. What this means is a much more efficient use of resource, but they can't actually identify the pharmacy that the data's come from uh, or the doctors that, that that information is being prescribed from. So they still have to use their own sales forces on the ground to uncover that information. But at the same time, what it does mean is that they're remaining focused in the areas of probably the greatest opportunity, both for them and for the pharmacy involved. And our philosophy has always been, never bite the hand that feeds you. And, the, and obviously, from our perspective, that is the pharmacy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's so many questions that I think, you know, I think most pharmacy owners always ask about that. But um, I think what you've detailed there, Mike, is going to give them a lot of things that they could certainly be asking other providers that they may be working with as well, because uh, it's often that the pharmacy owners don't mind giving up the data, but they need to know what they're going to get back in return. And and, and, uh, probably the key examples, like you mentioned, there is a lot of the generic companies. I think almost all have different dashboards and different ways of delivering insights back to pharmacy owners regarding generic substitution and opportunities. Um, But it really is quite restricted to that one specific purpose. But certainly to be able to identify opportunities and bring them to them, I think it just really highlights, you know, the level of collaboration that we could really be moving towards because we probably don't do enough in that regard with our suppliers and wholesalers in that we often give a lot of data uh, so that they can forecast their orders and you know send the right amount of stock but in terms of being able to strategically work out what are the opportunities for that business uh, we probably don't do that enough. I would agree with that and I think that's the other exciting thing that we're working on at the moment is being able to use those economies of scale and that geographic analysis to really localize information to a pharmacy and for that pharmacy to be able to identify quickly and easily where are the opportunities for them where are the insights that they can uh, derive from their own information but also from benchmark information so that they have a better understanding of what services they should provide, which products they should have on the shelf uh, and what sort of proactive activity they can undertake in a marketing, I guess, perspective so that they're, I guess, better serving the community, the local community, but also as uh, the product companies are doing, remaining more focused on the local opportunity. So from that perspective, you know, the community pharmacy is a hub, it's a destination. If patients are walking in there knowing that they're going to have the right product in the right place at the right time for them, they're more likely to return. If they are constantly disappointed, uh, then they're more likely to seek other avenues of, of resource. And I think that's the other thing too here is because there's been a lot of recent focus on simplified product disclosure, uh, on pressure on wages and rents and other things that are distracting the owners from, from their business, there's an opportunity now to turn that on its head and say, well, hang on a second, maybe I should be looking at these, these things as challenges but also opportunities and saying, how do I become more efficient, more productive as a pharmacy? Uh, how do I ensure that my clientele stay with me? And, and remain loyal to, to my pharmacy. And, and that's where our focus is going in 2015. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, the, you know, there's often a, a phrase I often refer to back a lot that if you get a brick thrown at you, you can either let it hit you or you can grab it and use it and build something with it. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's obviously the challenge that we're being faced with at the moment. And, but I think there's probably even some bigger problems that have existed for a long time that we can solve. And, you know, particularly, you know, working closer with our suppliers is that we've constantly battled and struggled with replenishment of stock because the biggest strengths of of a pharmacy owner and their team generally isn't understanding trends of data to determine optimum stock levels and optimum order quantities to get the best deals and so forth and often sweat so many hours of time on it and still get it wrong. Um, is there an opportunity and is it something that you may have already worked with even wholesalers you know, to maximise their stockholding levels as their margins have been squeezed through the PBS reform as well so that they can hold more optimum levels? Levels and replenish the pharmacies more efficiently? Surprisingly, uh, the area of focus for us at the moment is, is in the pharmacy, but we haven't lost sight of the fact that the wholesalers serve an important role in this distribution network, as do the manufacturers. And the, the manufacturers have always 
experienced the end of the bullwhip. So the supply chain challenge that we all face is that the pharmacy reacts to a demand, the wholesaler is trying to anticipate that demand but has no visibility of it so is taking their best guess and then the manufacturer has no visibility of the store or the wholesaler's ordering patterns and is trying to anticipate what they need to stock. So you end up with quite an amplified uh, you know, up and down levels of, of inventory right through the supply chain. Now, our focus at the moment is to try and make that whole system a lot more efficient uh, and that would serve, uh, I guess, retail pharmacy as well as hospital pharmacy uh, much, much better than the current system does. And so one of the experiments that we're running at the moment uh, with, with one company with their, their winter range is a, a winter buy model using predictive analytics. And the whole idea is to take the history of the pharmacy, the last three years of history, and then to predict what they're going to do this year uh, at a SKU level so that we can say, look, based on your history of these, these products, this is what we predict you're going to sell this year. It's going to be a very interesting outcome because, because these products, chemist's own products, are actually self-select. It's ultimately going to come down to you know, whether the pharmacy is anticipating that demand and, and successfully uh, bringing patients to the private label uh, or whether the, the stock that they've got on their shelf actually meets that need now and we've right-sized the amount of stock that they have. What that does is it serves three purposes. First of all, it ensures that the pharmacy has what they need when they need it. Uh, the second thing is that it gives the heads up to the, the wholesalers and to the supplier what the demand is most likely to be over the next six months, which is far more foresight than they've had before. And the third thing that it does is it brings the cost down for everybody in terms of holding too much stock uh, and that means that we will start to see more efficiencies coming through the supply chain. Now, if this model works, then ultimately there's no reason it can't be rolled out across the whole network. So there's opportunities here everywhere. It's just a matter of where do we focus first to bring the greatest benefit to the greatest number of stakeholders. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And you know, even when you look at historical data to try and predict the level of stock, I suppose there's just so many other influencing factors that uh, you know could complicate it in terms of the level of marketing activity that uh, the brand may be doing, uh, whether the pharmacy's undertaken a change of policy around promoting generic products more so than branded products so therefore comparatively to two or three years back their sales may be increasingly higher or a shift in consumer sentiment around you know reduction in uh, the loyalty to brands and that they're more uh, more willing to take on a generic brand so I guess there's are so many factors and I guess you know if those things can be factored into a dynamic predictive analysis model it's going to get close but I suppose at the end of the day, you still have to, you know, be be able to be flexible enough to make quick decisions. But often, I guess, when we've seen in pharmacy, when quick decisions have been made and people have gone on a mad rush for a particular product, it's just led to a whole range of stockouts at the manufacturer or wholesale level. That's true, and I think the other thing here, you can't replace people in the picture. So the, uh, what you've just described there, a lot of those factors will influence the, the final stock that a pharmacy should hold. What we've said is here's the trend if nothing changes. Now, what you'll need to do is speak with your sales consultant from whichever company that they've come to you with their suggested order and talk about marketing activity, talk about patient acceptance in your local area and have those discussions because what that helps inform both the salesperson but also the store is what is my sales likely to do this year? Are they likely to grow because we've changed something? Are they likely to reduce because we've actually backed off uh, our activity from previous years? What is likely to happen? And again, we're, we're talking about macroeconomic trends and then trying to make the microeconomic for a store and ultimately there's always going to be those challenges of fluctuations that you can't predict but the whole purpose behind it is to bring greater efficiency uh, and no overstocking because that's the other big challenge here is 
you, you know, we talk about understocking. What about overstocking? Hmm. You know, the, the holding of additional or excess inventory, which is just costing the pharmacy money. Yeah. And the whole yeah. idea here is to try and reduce that too without running out because as soon as you run out, you've got a lost sale. Well, I guess it changes also the relationship you have with your suppliers and also your business development managers at store level and that rather than the typical age-old example of a rep coming to the store and doing a stock count because the point of sale data in the store wasn't good enough or or accurate enough that they had to simply count stock every time they did a visit to determine what the order was going to be and that took up 90% of their time and then literally in the last five minutes they just flicked through a couple of pages to say do you want this do you want this do you want this we've got this buy and it was really transactional I don't think really enjoyable and certainly those types of visits I never liked doing them myself because I never felt there was any uh, collaborative or joint value being created there but if all of that analytics is at least providing a baseline for what should be the minimum level of stock then uh, the conversation then shifts to being flexible and dynamic around changes that are going on. And that's another good point that you've raised there. There there needs to be an expectation on suppliers to be able to provide better services to pharmacy, keeping in mind that they have the opportunity to serve over 5,000 pharmacies in Australia. So they should have the visibility that I don't have in my own individual store about what's going on at a macro level and then informing me on how that's going to impact me in my store. And so it's not unreasonable to expect that we, you know, our salespeople that come into the store need to lift their game in some instances to be able to have that conversation at that level and say, look, you know, I'm not here to count your stock. I'm actually here to help you maximise the efficiency of our range if and where possible and to be big enough to turn around and say, look, there's no point stocking that line, even if I've got an incentive attached to it, because I know it's not going to sell in this area. Uh, so, again, you can have those far more, I guess, balanced conversations rather than, as you've described them, you know, they come into a stock take and then flick through a couple of promotions and, and try and sell you something at the end of it. I think far more meaning can be gained from both sides uh, if the discussion centres around, well, how are we going to leverage this in this store? Is it appropriate in this store? And and what do I need to do differently that you've seen out there in, in your travels that's going to help me leverage this, this product and this range better? Because that's the other thing that I think, uh, you know, pharmacists should entertain and, and even the retail managers when they're having discussions around the front of shop is to say, well, what have you seen in your travels that I should be adopting that's going to help me maximise this range if I do agree to stock it? Because otherwise what happens is it just sits there passively on the shelf and you're relying on customers to self-select uh, or to come in with a, a script from their, from their doctor without your intervention at, at any point. And I think that's another area of opportunity for pharmacy is to take active intervention uh, uh, to a whole new level by building a relationship with the local health network, whether that's the the doctors or whether that's the you know the other type of allied health care. Um, there's no reason why that couldn't happen now, uh, and the doctors aren't open to that idea either. Oh, look, absolutely, and I think they often welcome that approach as well in terms of the fact that they may have particular prescribing habits and pharmacists typically over time have acknowledged those passive, uh, that very passively as a result of acknowledging what prescriptions were coming through and what brands and what medications rather than actually engaging in a conversation as to uh, what their treatment paradigms are, what are they seeing, are they seeing higher presentations of different cases and really trying to tailor what's in the store to suit that kind of behaviour. But, Mike, I also wanted to, for a lot of our listeners who have seen, I guess, a lot of the bigger picture stuff that we've spoken about and the big opportunities available, we'll be sitting there thinking, you know, Okay, so it's all I can see the opportunities. I can see the how how this can benefit my pharmacy. But where would you see, I guess, an individual pharmacy's starting point? Um, and bearing in mind they may already have been offered uh, dashboards of the kind from different generic suppliers. But I guess where would you see them starting their journey of looking at their data and really assessing, you know, I guess some primary use cases for how they could, I guess, understand it a bit better to make better decisions. Well, 
I think a balanced scorecard approach is a good one uh, where you're trying to measure up the ratio of your back of shop versus front of shop and assessing first of all where you want to go. Forget the data for a moment and actually figure out what you want your pharmacy to be. Do you want it to be a service provider? Do you want it to be a, a have the highest range of vitamins? What do you actually want your store to be known for? Once you've determined that, that's where you can focus your information gathering too. So, for example, you know, we have a, a retail portal, a retail dashboard, which is a bit broader than the, the generic one that you've spoken about. It keeps the information at a very high level, but it's designed to actually bring all of that information into one spot so that you can easily assess where the greatest opportunities for your business might be and uses benchmarking as well to assess how you're performing against your peers. Now, you don't know who your peers are uh, for obvious reasons, but the whole idea is to know, well, how am I going in my store and is anyone doing something differently? And if so, where can I get information around that? So to give you a real-life example, you know, we've got uh, pharmacies at the moment that are using our information to determine whether they've got the right range and whether they've right-sized that range by looking at their inventory making sure that they're managing their infantry properly through their point of sale and then linking that back to their loyalty information to determine whether or not the, their patients and their, uh, their consumers are actually using the whole balance of product that's available by using, comparing that again to other stores, de-identified stores and saying, well, hang on, we're missing a whole range of products here that you know, customers in other areas are, are buying in their basket. So there's things like basket analysis, there's things like uh, you know, your, your inventory turnover that you can pay more attention to and can give you actually fairly quick results uh, because it helps your staff focus on what's important to the customer rather than I need to upsell them on something they don't need. If I take care of this customer, I can already see their basket growing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you should be able to measure basic metrics like that in your business on a daily basis and figure out whether or not they're delivering results for you. And if you're not getting quick results, then you need to change something. Yeah, and, yeah. and certainly that, that kind of retail dashboard, um, does that then pull data from point of sale, dispense, loyalty, and is it provider agnostic? Uh, because obviously, as you well know, uh, we have many different providers in the industry. Yeah, and so the answer is it's, you know, at the moment it's limited to, to point of sale and dispensary, but loyalty will be coming into the space very soon the, because we've recognised that as, as being an important area of, of a pharmacy's operations. Uh, the other areas that it's, it'll be bringing in is, is around footfall, uh, so measuring conversion, the number of people who walk in the door versus the number who make a purchase. Uh, as well as potentially even your productivity metrics. So, you know, have I got too many staff on at this point? Do I have enough staff on at this point? So am I losing sales there? Is it provider agnostic? The answer is yes. Uh, you know, Nostradata currently has, you know, over 3,000 pharmacies that, uh, that work with us. So we've had to basically make our software compatible with virtually every provider out there. There's always exceptions to that rule. Uh, but at the moment, the idea is to try and make that information as accessible to everyone as possible. Yeah, and I think that's just so important that, uh, <laughs> that I guess, you know, for, for our listeners now that they're looking at it and going, okay, well, you know, it really does come back to where do I want to go? You know, we often, people are responding to the challenges at the moment and saying, well, we're at the crossroads right now and do we push on and do we challenge or do we give up and, um, and exit our industry, which I know is a, is a question that a lot of pharmacy owners are wrestling at the, the moment, but this type of... Um, technology that you're talking about here may give them a more informed understanding of their business and where it can perhaps perhaps thrive moving forward uh, you know before um, you know they determine whether those challenges are insurmountable and I think that's the thing too you should be making an informed choices to whether you stick around or whether you exit and that informed choice needs to come from a number of sources I think the other thing that you do need to have is an appetite for change if you're not willing to move with the times, I think you'll constantly struggle because you're fighting against a changing tide of expectation both from the payers, the government, and your patients and your consumers that are walking in the door who have access to technology that was unheard of 10 years ago where they're doing price checks on the spot against you and the, and the rest of the industry and they're able to access that information very 
very, very easily. So you need to be able to face up to those challenges and say, well, we, you know, we deliver value. It's not just about best price, it's about best value. And if that's a position you're willing to take and you're willing to take your staff on that journey as well, I think that you will succeed. But if you, if you just keep doing what you're doing, it's a definition of insanity. And you'll, you'll, get, you know, you'll, get the, you'll get the same result. You can't expect a different result from doing the same thing. Well, I think there's a, there's a saying there where if you get if you uh, think what you always thought, you get what you always got. Um, and uh, if you don't if you don't you know look at your pharmacy and think, well, like this this isn't it. There's a bigger game out there for me. And uh, you know the, the the horizon is almost unlimited if you open your open your mind to it. And uh, I guess take your eyes out of that rear vision mirror. And uh, you know there is so much opportunity. And I guess on opportunity there, Mike. Um, I guess, you know, one of the biggest problems we always look at, particularly with technology, is the ability to integrate everything and, you know, literally build our own Lego set of everything. Uh, because, you know, as, as you've already mentioned, the more data sources we can bring together, I guess, the more sense we can make out of it. And, you know, that may be involving, you know, other systems like loyalty, marketing, automation, um, all of those types of things. But I guess if you, if you looked at everything, right now um, are we looking at maybe even the next five or ten years where we can actually start to see the systems that you're designing or future systems that we haven't even seen yet actually making decisions for us uh, because at the moment we're obviously having to you know provide a provide a, a dashboard or some analytics in a shape that we can recognize so that we can make decisions but are we going to get to the point where we may be able to have systems that are almost self-aware it's an interesting question. I don't think it's going to be that long. The systems that we have access to now give us the ability to make, I guess, decisions and then measure the success of those decisions. It's called machine learning. And the idea is not for us to replace people but to focus people on their greatest strength. And the ability for a machine to assimilate multitudes of complex information and then bring it through to some sensible result is something that you know we feel often overwhelmed by. And so from that perspective, having the information at hand that makes proactive suggestions to you uh, and then learns from your responses means that you can become more and more automated in that part of your business. And so inventory management can be automated, uh, you know, Patient health response can be automated, but what can't be automated is obviously, you know, loving your patient, loving your customer, and that's the part that will differentiate the, the professional services in, of the future well, while we rely on machines to, to replace some of those more mundane or repetitive tasks of ensuring that you have the stock, that you have the services that your community needs. So, look, I think that we're already... We're already there in a lot of ways. I think that uh, we just need to be able to access that information, trust the systems to, to a degree, but also to have a, a sense that we still control those systems and that we can intervene when the systems aren't doing what we expect them to do. So, you know, some of the stuff that you've just mentioned there, I don't think it's five or ten years away. I'd say it's in less than five years that we're going to start to see a lot of that automation replacing a lot of those tasks in our day-to-day -day jobs. Because obviously the underlying question and probably the biggest fear of a lot of people either coming into the profession or, you know, on the other end of the spectrum is will data machines replace pharmacists? And we've spoken a lot on the show about how the transactional and product picking and supply natures will be automated. Uh, but as we've talked about extensively around delivering wisdom by understanding and getting, you know, as you are saying there, even proactive suggestions around what would make sense based on our previous decisions and getting that kind of support, it really does lend itself to creating that wisdom economy that we spoke, at, spoke about at the beginning of the show. It absolutely does. So my focus uh, as a pharmacist would not be on, you know, how do, I, how do I become more efficient at dispensing product because I can rely on machines to do that for me. It's more about how do I spend more of that time that I've now got uh, you know, communicating with patients and, and consumers and understanding them 
and answering their questions so that I can discover new insights, accrue my wisdom, and the more I hold, the more valuable I become as an individual but also as a corporate entity, which is pharmacy itself. I, I think that there's an opportunity here with every threat and automation is, is a threat, uh, but it's also an opportunity for pharmacists to see that, that bigger picture, to be able to embrace that now and start focusing more on how do I become, uh, you know, that source of wisdom as opposed to just the source of a, a product that my doctor has prescribed. And I think that's where the true challenge is here. And while it might be perceived as threatening to some, I think it's a great opportunity for those who see it and grasp it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we often talk about how our role had diminished into supply and often we most spend a lot of our time, particularly in media and in general conversation around talking about the supply-based mechanisms of the uh, six CPA and remuneration for PBS supply. And it's great to see that the shifting conversation is around professional services and pharmacists playing a bigger role in the primary healthcare community. And certainly if we if our knowledge is in the centre of all of that, um, then and rather than our ability to pick products and stand two and a half feet up in the dispensary and so forth, then we've got a much better opportunity to be sustainable. Mm. And there's real tangible examples out there of pharmacists who are doing things differently and they're getting noticed for it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the stuff that those pharmacies are being noticed for now is stuff that we should all be doing uh, in the near future so that that becomes the new norm and then it's what's exceptional is really the, the next big thing that, you know, perhaps our futurist that you mentioned earlier may have envisaged but, uh, you know, I might struggle with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, I hope that our listeners have taken away, you know, some really good understanding of where their data can take them and, and really start to acknowledge that it is their biggest assets in their business. And, uh, you know, we've always looked at goodwill as that as that balance sheet item that always determined what our valuation was going to be more often than not. But I think that as we grow and recognise the importance of the data and more importantly, what it can be turned into, uh, we've got great opportunities so I look forward to having you back and following your journey and in the not too distant future thanks so much for the opportunity Rob it's a real honour cheers thanks Mike cheers mate well I know a lot of you may have been thinking after we caught up with Morris Mizalowski that all of this talk about wisdom economy and how we're going to be known more for how we can translate data and knowledge into wisdom and really actionable advice for our patients was a bit pie in the sky. But I think as we've discovered today, we're far from it and we're right in the middle of it. And some may say that we've already missed the start and uh, we need to catch up. So there's some big learnings to come out of today. Um, and as per normal, I'll have my top three. So my number one is that Big data is a big word and uh, it's a big buzzword as well, but it's not really well understood. But for me, it's about collaborating and becoming more collaborative in everything that we do. I often refer to that we're in partnership with every person that touches our business, whether it's a supplier, a healthcare community member, a GP, an allied health member, and your patients most importantly, and also your team. And we need to be collaborating not only physically, but digitally as well. And there's so many great Great opportunities that when we bring all of our data together and note, don't leave it all in all these silos and where it can't be utilized, but when we bring it together, great things can happen. And there were some great examples that Mike brought out in predictive analytics around stock replenishment, geodemographic analysis, where you could be working collaboratively with your product suppliers and wholesalers to identify key trends in your area to be able to reshape your business for your products, but more importantly, for the programs and services that are going to be most relevant to your patients. So you can really niche down very nicely and stop being all things to everyone because it's not getting anyone anywhere at the moment. Number two, start now. 
Start now. A lot of a lot of pharmacy owners and pharmacists in particular are questioning their future decisions to stay or leave the industry. But if you're going to do that, do it from an informed basis as well. Capture your data in your business. Really try to understand what you're trying to achieve in your business. It was a great little thing that we always come back to with any bit of technology on this show is that it's not about the technology. And in this case, it's not about the data. It's about what you want to do and what you want your pharmacy to look at. We always talk about playing a bigger game and aiming higher and data gives you that opportunity. So you need to determine what it is that you want to achieve in your pharmacy, and then the data can give you the insights that you need to build that type of business as well. So really, really important. I mean, there's obviously some really exciting dashboards and insights that you can get, but really it's going to come back to the origin of where you want to go to from here. And lastly, which is a big question that we always ask, is are we going to be replaced by machines? Are machines going to be able to do our decisions for us and we're not going to have to think anymore and therefore we're made irrelevant? And as Mike spoke about, it, what, it, what it will do is it will learn what decisions you make and what bring you to those decisions to help make proactive suggestions to make your job easier. And at the end of the day, we all became pharmacists, or at least I hope we all became pharmacists, because we wanted to help people. And it allows us to be more helpful because it allows us to stay in the conversation for longer. We don't need to concern ourselves with the manual processes of running a business in terms of automation, in terms of grabbing all the stock and putting it away. And all of these things that when we signed up for our beef farms all those years ago, we never actually thought about what we would actually be doing in running a business as well. And what it does is it makes us smarter health professionals and allows us to solidify our role as the community hub for healthcare in the long term. Well, that brings us to the end of our first year anniversary edition of Transformation. Big one coming up our first for our second year with Brian Walker, the retail doctor, next week. I know you're going to get so much out of it. It's high-powered. It's very intense, but certainly dripping with retail strategy all throughout. I know you're going to love it. Don't forget to leave a comment in the show notes. There is always space for you at the bottom. I read and respond to everyone and my guest like Mike today is always happy to respond to your questions individually as well. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.